Today on Season 2, Episode 88 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Bryce and I take some time to reflect on witnessing the first playoff game in the Matt LaFleur era unfold. The Packers dominated the first half, Seahawks came storming back. There were ups, there were downs, there was green and gold all around. We talk play calls, give out game balls, and have a good time along the way. Wash your hands, wash your butt, and let's get ready to roll. And now it's time for Advancing on Tap. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go, Pack, go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for advancing on tap. The Packers beat the Seattle Seahawks 28-23 in the NFC Divisional Playoff Round at Lambeau Field in front of nearly 79,000 fans, two of them being myself and my other brother from another mother. The soothing sexy sounds of our producer and our co-founder, Nebels. How are you doing after the Packers go on and beat the Seattle Seahawks, a team that uh, has really uh, been a thorn in our side, lack of a better term, if you will. But how are you feeling after Sunday? You and I drove all the way up there, drove back. What did it take, four hours to get back from Green Bay to Milwaukee? Yeah, it took me almost five because I'm an hour south of you, so it was crazy. I'm I'm feeling good. I will admit I am in day two of recovery Oh man, it's uh, it, what what an experience that was! What an experience! It's well worth it. Well worth the recovery period. Well, here's the interesting thing. So I I'm going on about a year of uh, not drinking. So the last couple of Packer games have been different for me because I I don't drink anymore. So to feel this way, I mean I I'm on cloud nine. I'm buzzing. I'm I'm geared up. I cannot wait for our pregame uh, <laughs> episode of the San Francisco 49ers. But that's for another episode. We'll do our postgame first. But I, I'm in the same boat. Um, I think I'm fighting a cold. I was completely all uh, battered yeah, you're, up. You're fighting the butt flu. The, <laughs> Don't lie. I did not. You're fighting I, the butt I did flu. not wash my butt, Nebels. I did not wash my butt. And uh, listening to Devontae Adams all week. <laughs> I did. I should have. Uh, man, that's a funny thing. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> so no, I, I I washed my hands, but apparently I did not wash uh, the lower extremities of my body uh, well enough. I'm fighting a cold, but I I really want to get this episode out there. And yeah, uh, I mean driving up to Lambo. I mean we we got in, so we left Sunday. This is. Our first game together that we've yep. ever watched. Yeah. So I thought we we saved it uh, perfectly for uh, oh, Packers playoff. Uh, you and I driving up to Lambeau and uh, getting there rather early, and we we had an opportunity to watch a little bit of the Houston Kansas City game. Got into Lambeau about an hour before kickoff, and. I thought I, I felt good the entire drive up. I mean, I got a little bit of butterflies walking in. We walked into section 119 uh, into the same seats that my grandfather sat in during the ice bowl. 
and it was magical. We had a great crowd around us, a lot of Packer fans, a, a lot of familiar faces, and we actually had some Seattle Seahawks fans as well, and they were they were quiet for the most part. I didn't really feel, yeah. I mean, outside yeah. of seeing a couple throw Skittles in the air, they were pretty quiet. Yeah, they, they were quiet, um, very respectful, and I think, you know, the Packer fans around us, you know, give them credit. They weren't, they weren't jabbing them, they weren't ribbing them, giving them a hard time. Yeah, they kind of let them be, and... And the game spoke for itself. I, the Seahawks fans did start chirping a little bit when they came back in the second half, yeah. which, hey, I probably would have done the same if I were them. Um, but, yeah, it was a great experience. I mean, I have season tickets with my dad. Uh, we have a gold package, so I've been to many, many a game in my day. But for some reason, coming into this playoff game, I've never been to a playoff game. So it, it just seemed overall like this could have been my very first Packer game. <laughs> Walking into Lambeau, just had that, that I was just in awe kind of like a kid on Christmas seeing it for the first time, even though I've seen it many a time. And I was stoked for this game. I was excited. I wasn't too nervous about it. Very happy that the Packers were there. And if they won, it was just icing on the cake. So it was it was a great experience. So and I'm glad we got to go. I thought it was great opportunity of, you know, rec- recording an episode, then going up and talking about it, and now giving a recap. And as I fight through this, uh, I hope just – just a sore throat. Um, yesterday, I just like I think you mentioned that we we walked in totality eight miles. Yeah, between walking and standing, you know, I was doing a lot of bouncing in my seat, yep, you know, and rocking back. I can't stand still. I was kind of rocking back and back and forth. So I mm-hmm. think that added some steps. You know, I keep track on my watch here. But yeah, when I got home and looked, it was it was just around eight miles. I'm like, holy smokes, that's crazy. You know, eight miles in the layers in the boots. That's mm-hmm. a lot. You know, that'll take it out of anybody. Yeah, that's crazy because I. When we got home, so we left, I would say, what, kickoff was 540 mm-hmm. Central Standard Time. We probably got back to our car around 10 o'clock, maybe? Yeah, at the, yeah, I think I looked. It was about 10 till, I think, Okay, when we got back to the car. And, I mean, it took us a while to get out of the stadium, but I also wanted to bask in it, too. Uh, I wanted to see, just absorb as much of this uh, Packers playoff win. And I think after the last two seasons, uh, I cherish this way more. Just knowing that we're not guaranteed any any sort of playoff. We're not guaranteed a continuous streak of winning seasons. And so 2017 and 2018 humbled me in the fact that sitting back and, and basking in a very, uh, I was nervous the entire game. I just knowing sure. Seattle, knowing the history of what uh, the team has done to us with the fail Mary, the uh, the 2015 NFC Championship game, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, they're both competitors. Not, they're not going to go down with the fight. And uh, I give them a lot of respect because they, they they made the game interesting. But that's what was going through my head was, you know, leaving the game, getting back to our, our Jeep. I kept thinking of as dominant as I thought the Packers looked. I mean, granted, we, we let the Seahawks back in, but got to give credit to Seattle and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think how Rodgers played overall how the Packers played our our free agent acquisitions in Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith who I'll highlight a little bit later it was one of those performances where from start to finish although I was nervous just because you know history uh, our experience of you know we, oh, yeah. we we've been beaten by the Seattle Seahawks we've let them back into games and so for me Looking back and reflecting on Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, our offensive lines, Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Coach LaFleur, in his yep. first playoff game, 
against the Super Bowl champion Seattle Seahawks back in what 2013 tw- so 2013 season 2014 right uh, Super Bowl so that that's no easy feat so walking in or walking away from Lambeau I took that picture that I posted on Twitter and even when I took the picture I didn't really think much of it I you know just basking in it but the more I reflect on this game the more I get excited about regardless of what happens moving forward I, For sure. I just want us to to we want a playoff game against a really good team that actually ended up beating the San Francisco 49ers. So right. overall, as we were leaving the game, uh, nothing could get me down. Well, that that quickly in a blink of an eye changed as we drove on 43 <laughs> from <laughs> Green Bay to Milwaukee. And I took there are a couple moments where I think I took like maybe a five, ten minute cat nap. But overall yeah, you took a little doze here and there. <laughs> but overall, uh those are blizzard conditions, am I right? Oh, it was brutal. It was yeah, I mean it's at one point it was getting a little hairy. Um thankfully there was enough cars still on the road that you can just kind of follow behind the one in, in front of you and yeah it was I almost had to stop, pull over, clear off the windshield wipers because everything was was melting and turning into ice and just chunking on the wipers and it was a rough drive. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I well, like I said, uh, you get a medal because I mean you were as cool as a cucumber. You had you had the the co-founder, the the producer, just this ease to you when you were dri- when you were driving. And little did we know that we were actually uh, promoting the Unknown Packers podcast on our drive back because. Yes, sir. A fellow fan mentioned on Twitter that he had seen us driving in that snowstorm. <laughs> yeah, as a as a passenger, I mean, I felt I felt all right. I because you felt cool, like and the, the Jeep Wrangler, you definitely don't feel anything. I mean, you're you're locked in. You feel comfortable. You feel secure. But that was the longest drive, and it definitely wiped away the the glamour uh, of the win because then it just mm-hmm. came back to being like oh man th- this weather is awful yeah breaking I mean what were you going for I think I said thirty five miles an hour but yeah I, I I think I maxed out at about thirty five all the way until we got uh, got a little bit closer to Milwaukee I would say maybe about an hour you know forty five minutes outside of Milwaukee it kind of crept up. Right inside the city limits, I think we got up to 55. Mm-hmm. And then after I dropped you off, it was it was clear, you know, clear sailing all the way home. But I think average, I was probably going about 15 to 19 for a good good part of the trip. Oh, man. I mean, looking at it, our exit was was basically two miles off of where, where we got on, you know, got onto the road from the parking lot. And it took us longer to go those two miles than it, it, that it initially said the whole trip was going to take. Mm-hmm. So I knew right then and there we were we were doomed. I, and I think that adds another layer too. I mean, I can't imagine going to Lambo and and partying and then getting in a car and and driving back down to wherever wherever people were going. So there was definitely a, yeah. a refreshing aspect of, of you and I just going in au natural, organic as possible, <laughs> and right. embracing Lambeau Field. There's something magical. I mean, I, I definitely, I'm not going to lie, I will say that the first Packer game that I went to, which was in December against the Chicago Bears, was the first regular season game where I've never, I haven't had a, a beer inside sure. Lambeau Field. So I was definitely preparing for it. 
And it wasn't the temptation aspect. It was more of the experience of be- yeah. being involved in that environment and, and getting through that. And then this Seattle Seahawks game, it's the most dialed in I've ever been. From start to finish, I felt like I was commu- <laughs> I felt like I was communicating with Coach Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers. Sure. I mean, there was there was times where I was screaming, where I was like, Devontae's got the open, Devontae's got the open, and there, it, there's something beautiful when you when you just sit there and just let the game come to you, and yep. and whatever your eyes focus on, just take it all in. So as we you know, we'll talk about our, we'll review our pregame balls and give our postgame balls in our second half of advancing on tap. But before we advance to the second half of our episode, give me your favorite moment. I know this is an improv question. We didn't prepare for this. But give me your favorite moment all in all from the drive up there to uh, pregaming to the game itself. Um, maybe you had a moment where we connected, where we bonded on the drive back. But I doubt that the drive back will make that favorite moment. <laughs> but, w- Definitely the drive back was not my favorite moment. <laughs> I, you know, it is... Maybe a favorite I, I play? I love the whole thing. In the game, I was just in awe the whole time. You know, it's a great seats, great experience, great vantage point. And, and it sounds kind of weird, but I think if we're just going, you know, on the surface favorite moment... When we walked out of that stadium and we turned around and just yep. looked at the lights yep. and saw the snow coming down through the lights mm-hmm. and the spotlights and the crowd, the, the chance to go, Pat, go, that was that had to be my favorite moment. I mean, that was just – I couldn't think of a better way to close out a night than to experience that. And I had mentioned it in Twitter, just seeing your picture and whatnot, is I could have just stood there and looked at that until they turned the lights off. Right. It was it, it was just amazing, and that you know, like I said, it, as funny as that sounds, you know, skipping over the whole game, that was on the surface by my my favorite moment. You're getting me all choked up because I <laughs> I mean it, the, it's definitely going to be a memory for me. You know, you you're always locking on a couple images when you can kind of go back into the little uh, the vault of memories, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. that'll definitely be a memory that I cherish. You and I walking out of Lambo out of the Quick Trip Gate, uh, where we parked and. Wasn't that far of a walk. Got to embrace uh, the snow. Um, yeah, that that picture as well. I, I could. I, I agree with you. It and and on top of it, a Packers win, uh, where Definitely. where a lot of people have been dogging the Green Bay Packers uh, all through December, saying that they were going to be a one and done Packer playoff team, and having a rookie head coach. I can feel my maybe possible cold just ease away. I can feel like maybe this is the remedy what Devonta Adams said, wash your hands, wash your butt. Maybe it was just more go. of you have to just do a podcast episode. Yeah. That might be like just in code, washing your butt. So Just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that you shared that moment. Uh, for me, uh, the, the image that sticks out in my head is the, the first, the scoring drive, the first drive yeah. from start to finish. Aaron Rodgers finding Devonta Adams on what I believe was it was Geronimo and Adams on the left, just those two bunched up right next to each other, and they both did a slant, and then Geronimo went in, and then Devonte went out and scored that touchdown. Completely confused, I can't remember if it was Umante or Griffin of the Seahawks. Completely confused him, and that was the start for me, where I thought, oh boy. Yep. Devonta Adams is going to have a big game. They they led the league at one point in how much separation they get uh, from their wide receiver department, 
Mm-hmm. The way I, I, I my favorite memory was watching Devonte Adams. I, I think it will go down as one of the more special playoff or not even playoff performances, overall performances for me. Oh yeah, uh, I had mentioned on the on the walk in that watching Julio Jones. It was a Monday night game, I believe, in 2013. Falcons Packers. Uh, he comes to mind. Uh, there's definitely some Aaron Rodgers games, uh, Brett Favre games for sure. Uh, Reggie White, Deion Sanders. The Cowboys-Packers game when the Cowboys finally came to Lambeau the year that we won the Super Bowl after we have gone to Dallas three years in a row. I, I will say Devonta Adams is up in there with that eight-catch, 160-yard, two-touchdown performance. But that image in my mind might is probably my favorite moment, and I think it is seared Very in my cool. head moving forward. Um, so to have favorite player performance uh, along with watching a game with you in those elements, it was a beautiful, beautiful day. I'm already feeling a little bit better. I think uh, awesome. throughout this episode, I quote-unquote washed my butt. And with that, <laughs> we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back for the second half of Advancing on Tap. Go Pack Go! You are listening to the Unknown Packers podcast. Do you want to be a part of the show? If so, give our listener line a call. Leave your name, a comment, concern, or question, and we will include your message on an upcoming episode. Call 920-328-5269. Again, that's 920-328-5269. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget to show us some love and rate us on your favorite podcast provider. Now, let's get to the second half. We are back for the second half of advancing on tap. Uh, the Packers were at 13-3 and advancing now to the NFC Championship game. Before we talk about that, I did want to highlight that going into the game, the Packers had won two of the previous three postseason matchups against the Seattle Seahawks. They have now won three. And I really think they get uh, that monkey off their back. I think this cleanses. Uh, the soul of the Green Bay Packers and their fan base after that 2014 season, 2015 NFC Championship collapse. Do you agree with me, Nebels? I definitely agree with you. Definitely agree with you. Especially coming in with Lafleur being the the rookie head coach, going you know to the, winning a playoff game for you know, his first try in the playoffs. I think it's a total palate cleanser, and it's going to be a whole new. Whole new ball game, whole new Packers era going forward. I think so too, especially with having a new head coach. Uh, Seattle, I talked about since 2012, were 95, 46, and one. Their best, uh, the best mark in the NFC, and Green Bay being 82, 54, and two, which is the second best. The biggest difference is that I mentioned in the previous episode is that the Seahawks reached the Super Bowl twice, whereas the Packers did not. And so, even though it was at Lambeau, I think the way that the Packers played uh, gives me hope that the two years of us missing the playoffs are definitely way in the rearview mirror. And with, on a positive note, I wanted us to reflect on our pregame balls, give our uh, listeners a little bit of a snippet from our previous episode. Sure. Can you give me, who are your three pregame balls, and if you hit on any of them? Yeah, my three uh, this week were Lafleur, Petten, and the Lambeau Field crowd. And I think... I may possibly could have hit on all three. I mean, I think I, I think Lafleur called a great game. You know, they he definitely called drew, drew up the right plays for the right scenarios, and I'll kind of go over that in a little bit. 
Petten, they again the defense, they balled out in the first half and did what it took to take it in the second. And then the Lambeau Field crowd, they were electric. Like I said, in all the years I've I've been there, this is probably the most amped up I've I've seen a crowd. We stood the entire time. Yep. Which was which was phenomenal. And even this the amount of Packer fans were there. I've been to a lot of games where you can clearly see the other team's colors. Yep. And in this one, there were, you know, there were Seattle fans there, which is to be expected, but not nearly as many as I would have thought. So kudos to the Lambeau Field crowd. They definitely, definitely deserve that pregame ball. Absolutely. And I I mentioned that to you right when we came in. I said, hey, we're we're a section that usually stands. So I was always a little perplexed where I would read on Twitter. I would talk with others where people would tell them to sit down because the section that we're in, typically, I would say to the left of us, they usually sell their seats to opposing fan bases. Sure. So I was, I was preparing for a little bit of Seahawks, Green Bay Packer, a fun rivalry, which makes that section a lot of fun. Um, I've never really had a bad ex- outside of the time that I um, was politely <laughs> escorted from Lambeau Field on Christmas Day back in t- 2005, I believe. But I, I completely agree. I think the the crowd, Coach Lafleur, uh, the lights were not too bright for our our fellow Commander in Chief, and I'm super excited to see what Coach Lafleur uh, does moving forward. Um, I think he's got the it factor. I think him and Petten. They lean on each other. Even Lafleur talked about how the coaches, everyone that they've hired, has fit in, bought in. They all get their job done. I, I'm excited. I think you hit it on the head, and I know that you complimented me about you know the pregame balls, but I think that you're you're right with with Lafleur, Pettin, and Lambeau Field. I, those could easily be all three postgame balls. So kudos to you for your clairvoyance. Nice. Uh, my 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 three. I had Aaron Brightlights Jones, Darnell Savage, and Tyler Irvin. And I think Aaron Jones, you know, uh, sniffing the end zone twice, picked up yep. a huge block on a blitz that allowed Rodgers to hit Jimmy Graham on that final dagger, which allowed us to kneel the remaining, what, minute and 30 or minute and 40? Yeah. Yep. So I think that's something that gets missed was that huge blitz pickup that Aaron Jones provided. He had back-to-back carries against the Lions and the Vikings. He had 25 carries against the Lions, 23 against the Vikings, had 21 against the Seattle Seahawks. They game-planned for him, uh, getting three yards per carry, but he still found a way to get into the end zone twice. I called him a touchdown waiting to happen, and albeit even though that he you know, had three yards per carry, uh, only 60 yards, uh, really wasn't involved that much in the passing game. Still scoring two touchdowns, finding a way to contribute uh, when they've zoned in on you or neutralized you. And the fact is, as I mentioned this in the previous episode, is that they neutralize Aaron Jones. That gives Devontae Adams an opportunity. So a little uh, little snapshot, a little trailer, if you will, for our man Devontae Adams. But then Darnell Savage... Uh, you know, I, I was hoping for an interception. You know, he picked up five tackles, and I just think that he's going to continue to get better. He didn't do anything wrong, if you will. I know that Tyler Lockett had a huge game, and I wonder if Darnell Savage uh, was the reason for that. But looking back on the tape, there wasn't definitely a, there wasn't a lot of plays where I saw that he was where he was making mistakes, where he was sure. a liability. And then Tyler Irvin, I, I said that he flips the field. I was really looking for that jet motion sweep. Uh, he had two carries for 25 yards. Yep. He had one kick return for 12 yards and one punt return for six yards. 
in Sunday's divisional round win over the Seattle Seahawks. Little did we know he was going to be involved in the running game when we picked him up from the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars in December. I still think he is going to... He, he's our uh, new meatball. Oh, yeah. We wanted, we wanted that meatball wheel route touchdown. I think we're going to get that Tyler Irvin jet sweep motion touchdown. I don't know when, but I think he's in the. He's definitely part of the plans moving forward. Oh, he has to be for the Green Bay Packers. And I wanted to mention that when he was he, when he was drafted in 2016 out of San Jose State, I think he was tied for the fastest 40 time at the running back position. So not only is he a special teams guy, he definitely can contribute in the run game. But those are my three pregame balls. You might give it to Aaron Jones, but my three postgame balls, none of the three that I mentioned in my pregame, made the postgame. I'm looking forward to hearing that. With that being said, give me your first postgame ball. All right, I can go ahead and do that. Let me see here. Who do I have? All right, so I am with my first Post-game ball, I am actually sticking with one of my pre-game balls, and I am going to give one to Coach LaFleur. Uh, again, I had mentioned he called a great game. He's actually the first coach in Packers history to win a playoff game on his in his first year. And he also, he called a great game outside of the script. We've been talking this season about after the first 15 plays or so, things kind of slow down a little bit. They let off the gas, it seems. But in this game, I, I think he called a great game outside of those initial 15 calls. He he dialed up the right plays. He trusted Aaron Rodgers to make a play when needed. He didn't back away from using Jones, even though Jones wasn't hugely successful. And one big stat that, that I noticed is they converted nine third downs, and a lot yeah. of those were third and long, and that is absolutely huge. Going over the pregame episode, I kind of talked about some of the things that Seattle did well with their explosive plays and their conversions of third down, and Green Bay Green Bay matched and exceeded Seattle in in some of those those areas. What do you have? I love it. Uh, my first post game ball is going to the sheriff, the bad man, Aaron yeah, Rodgers. There you go. And Aaron Rodgers said this uh, quote: "I feel really locked in from Wednesday on." Practice well, felt really good all day today, which he meant on Sunday. It just felt like it was going to be one of those types of performances tonight. I felt like it was a vintage performance. Granny had about a 59% uh, completion rating, roughly 260, and uh, two touchdowns. But what you said about the third down, uh, season high, nine third down conversions, nine out of 14 overall. He was nine of 11 for 121 yards on third down with one touchdown, one sack, and a 155.8 QB rating. You had given me a little snippet of who might be your other postgame ball, but and I definitely agree with mentioning this with the offensive line, is that the offensive line allowed Aaron Rodgers to do what he had to do. But then also, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, people have dogged him the entire season saying that he doesn't have it. Um, we need to draft a quarterback. Even some asinine Packer fans who call themselves Packer fans said that we need to bring in Tim Boyle yeah, uh, during that Detroit Lions game. And I get it. Uh, there's, it, It's concerning when he was missing throws that, to wide-open guys that could have moved the chains. Packer playoff atmosphere football at Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers was dialed in. Uh, making audibles. Your first postgame ball with Coach LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, how they are symbiotic on the same page. Devonta Adams being on the same page with Aaron Rodgers as well. I am so glad that I'm giving the first postgame ball to Aaron Rodgers. He, he deserves it, and it's exciting to see 
this type of performance because he felt I felt like he was locked in from the get go yeah. from that first drive, punching it in, going up seven nothing, going twenty one three into the half. You knew the Seattle Seahawks were going to come back, but Aaron Rodgers clutched third down completions to Devonta Adams, Jimmy Graham, and even Geronimo Allison. My first post game ball, the bad man, Aaron freaking Rodgers. I'm so excited to say his name again. I, I feel this. I feel like we've been butt washing this yeah. entire episode right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't agree with you with you more on that. I mean, he had a great game. He he didn't need to go out and force things. He didn't need to be the Aaron Rodgers of old. He kind of took what was given to him, converted when he, when he needed to. I believe all nine of the the converted third downs came from Aaron Rodgers' passes. So he he did exactly what it took to keep the ball moving, keep the drives alive. I think I only saw one play that I would consider forced. I think he forced yep. one over to Adams when he was in triple coverage. But outside of that, he played a, a crisp game. He looked good, and that's what I think. He, that's how I think he needs to continue to play to exactly. to remain successful. So I that that's a great pick. I do I do like what he did on Sunday. Awesome. Um, I have you. I think I set you up for yeah. your second post game ball yeah, with, yeah, with you, a little offensive line. Did you he did? Yeah. I am with my second ball game ball. You did set me up. I am going with uh, Jared Valdir. Oh, oh, JV. Oh, yeah. JV, the uh, the ghost. I think I want to call him because he just kind of <laughs> appears out of nowhere. The ghost. Uh, um, <laughs> a, a lot of you folks, a lot of us, aren't very familiar with him. I'm going to give you a brief, you know, brief rundown of where he where he comes from. He was actually drafted by the Raiders, 69th overall in 2010. Funny enough, after the conclusion of his first preseason, he was named the Raiders' starting center. Well, that lasted a whole game until he was moved back to tackle. He was splitting time with veteran Mario Henderson, but by midseason, he was named starting left tackle. In 2014, he ended up signing a five-year deal with the Arizona Cardinals, uh, is where he played a good chunk of his career. In 2018, he was then traded to the Denver Broncos, where he started 12 games at right tackle, uh, and he missed four games with a knee injury during that time. And then 2019, he signed a one-year deal with the Patriots, but decided to retire a week after signing that deal. They placed him on the retired reserve list, but in no- November came around, he started talking about wanting to come back and play again, and the Patriots said no thanks, and they waved him off that list where he was claimed by the Packers on November 27th. Now, he was reinstated from the reserve uh, retired list, saw his first action as a Packer on December 23rd during a Week 16 victory over the Minnesota Vikings. On December 29th, he played um, during the victory over the Detroit Lions when Bulaga went out with a concussion. And this week, he uh, he played again. Now, it's kind of funny. He spent all week on just on the scout team, so he was not expecting to play at all. He actually kind of found out on TV that he was going to play this week. He was sitting there. He mentioned he was sitting there watching TV Sunday morning, and then something came across that that Balaga was fighting the illness, so he kind of said, oh, crap, got dressed and went into Lambo, and and the rest <laughs> is history. He played every single offensive snap, and he performed like the seasoned vet that he is. He only had one blemish on the game. Other than that, he was pretty much 
unnoticed, which is a great thing. His only blemish is he did let Clowney in to stuff Jones for a four-yard yeah. loss. But after that, he was lights out. Looking at the stats, he had no sacks allowed, no hurries, no quarterback pressures allowed. So he was he he filled in awesome for Balaga. So for a guy essentially coming off the streets after you know after a year minimal action the last couple of weeks and then being on the scout team to starting in the NFC divisional playoff round and playing like that, I, I can't you know he he gets the game ball all day. I can't think of anybody else who is more deserving. I love that you call. I, I when you mentioned that last night, it, it put a smile on my face because you know I, my pregame ball. I have Tyler Irvin. I, I talked or I tweeted out that Brian Gutekunst acquiring Tyler Irvin that could be that free agent darling that Howard Green was to Ted Thompson and that Desmond Howard was to Ron Wolf. But I also want to mention that Bruce Wilkerson, uh, who started in Super Bowl Thirty One for the Green Bay Packers, was a pickup in the 96 season for Ron Wolf and could have been that other darling pickup. We talk about Desmond Howard because of how electric he was in the playoffs against the 49ers and returning a touchdown in the 49ers game, I believe in the divisional playoff round and in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. But Bruce Wilkerson being a guy that they picked up off the streets essentially and then he starts in Super Bowl 31 blocking for Brett Favre. Now I get a little bit of a comparison, a little bit of visions of that with uh, JV, and if Brian Gutekunst does not get executive of the year, it is rigged completely oh, yeah, for, for sure. picking up Tyler Irvin. He has been tirelessly working to improve this roster, but Jared Valdir, I mean, I what would have happened if they don't pick this guy up with Brian Balaga being being sick with the butt flu? Yeah, I mean, we could have we could have been singing a whole different song this morning. I mean, honestly, it's it, it's just amazing, and it, and it's. Well, the thing I like, you know, speaking of Goody for Executive of the Year, the thing I, I like is he doesn't sit still. He doesn't wait until the offseason to make improvements. Yep. It's, it's clear that he is in win-now mode. And, and like we were talking earlier, he's changed kick returners, what, three, four times now? And just yep. continues to make moves late into the season to make this team better. So it's it's refresh, refreshing to have the team run, you know, by this this type of regime now. It's... I, I, I'm I'm just super stoked to see what we do you know, going forward. Me too. And I think the way I set you up with the offensive line with Jared Valdir, you just set me up beautifully with Brian Gutekunst and who my second game ball is. I'm actually going to go with the tandem of the Preston Smith and Zadarius nice. Smith, the Smith nice. brothers. Just what we've done or what we did under Ted Thompson, we did not make the splashes that Brian Gutekunst did this year. He had to. I mean, he, you definitely look at what Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith are bringing to this team. If Brian Gutekunst doesn't make those moves, it essentially chalks it up to a guy that says, okay, we're going to be rebuilding for a couple of years. This is going to be a complete dumpster fire. And initially, you started to see that. I mean, he's got his coaching staffs now, Brian Gutekunst I'm referring to. And Zadarius Smith, I, I alluded to the fact, or I mentioned it in the offseason, that Zadarius Smith would be like what Charles Woodson is to Ted Thompson. And Reggie White is to Ron Wolf, and it's it got picked up from other people, but it was said on the Unknown Packers podcast first. And I, I know people were like, "Come on, Bryce, calm down a little bit." And all I thought about was it had it had all the makings, it had everything where it could be that type of splash. Him getting two sacks in the game, as well as uh, Preston Smith getting two sacks. I think the biggest thing that I want to talk about was Darius Smith and. After that first sack, he celebrated with the snubbed, yep. and he he's a guy. They both are 
men on a mission right now. Zadarius Smith uh, said this when he was brought in by Brian Gutekunst. Sorry, uh, being a little sick, my mind's not working <laughs> the greatest, still not firing on all cylinders. But when Zadarius Smith came in, he, he told Preston Smith, like on their first day, he said, this has the makings of a championship season with Aaron Rodgers. So they went in with that mindset thinking, okay, we just cashed in right now. We could sit back, but no. We're going to cash in and then we're going to work. And they just, I mean, Brian Gutekunst has to sit back and, and think he just wanted one of those guys to work. And I know Preston Smith has been quiet in December, but he had that final sack, uh, which forced Seattle to punt, which I was surprised that the Seahawks were going to punt. I thought that they were going to go for it on fourth down. They were at like the 40, 45 yard line. They thought that they could get the ball back. Luckily, they did not. But Preston Smith getting that that game icing sack, and then Zadarius Smith as well, setting up a sack where he sacked Russell Wilson for a four-yard loss, and that was right before the Seattle Seahawks missed the 50-yard field goal. Yep. So if if Zadarius Smith doesn't get that sack, maybe it's a 45, 46-yard field goal. So that's three points right there. I thought about giving Jair Alexander a game ball, coming off a blitz uh, on that two-point conversion sacking. That's another two points. So that's five points right there, um, which it, it's... It, those little moments right there are difference makers, but bringing in Zadarius Smith, bringing in Preston Smith, that's what you saw on Sunday, is that's why you pay the big bucks, that's why you trust in this, that's why you bring in key free agent acquisitions. I think they have all the makings right now. What I said back in March, I'm not going to say it now, I'm going to wait a couple episodes, but Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith uh, are my second game ball for this past Sunday. Very cool, very cool. And I actually had, um, I, I had Preston Smith getting my third game ball, but Having you said what you've had to say, I am gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and cancel that game ball, okay. and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna reroute it rather. Okay. Uh, I, this is my you know thinking about it for my initial pick, and it probably won't surprise anybody, but I think I've circled back around, and I'm gonna give it to uh, the Jimmy once again. Yeah, you, really? You know okay. how I like my my my, my Jimmy Graham. Um, yeah, we, we made it known in section 119 too. That's right. That's right. And the reason being is, you know, looking at his numbers, he had uh, three receptions for um, we have three receptions, forty nine yards, the long of twenty seven, no touchdowns. So it wasn't a huge flashy game by any means, but he was pivotal on the third down conversions. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he made so Rogers made some throws. Some of them weren't great, and Jimmy had uh, had to work for it. So. I think just the fact that Jimmy was in there, you know, earning his money, converting those third downs, that was that was huge. And and again, I, I think that even though he may not have played up to his contract by most people's <laughs> standards, he is oh, he's still sure. getting the job done when it when it comes down to it. I, we we said it on Sunday. He earned his contract yes, on exactly, Sunday. Exactly. Exactly. So he like I said, I'm I'm gonna give it to him. He came in in uh, when it when it when it counted when we really needed him to hung on to that ball got us the first downs and and allowed us to sustain the drive so again big picture you know his stats weren't huge but without him making those plays it could have been a completely different ball game so hats off to the Jimmy once again game ball number three for me I love it and I think it, it's fitting you know his last game at Lambeau Field I you know he, he he's moving on next year yes for that, sure that's that's a given. But his last game at Lambeau Field, like you said, three ca- three catches, 40-some yards, all were huge. This coming off of that 
horrible drop on the first drive against the Lions, yep. which I think killed all of the momentum. Bouncing back two weeks later. Now just think, can you imagine if he propels now against the Niners and moving forward possibly? Yeah. yeah. So this this could not just this might not just be a one game type of thing. So this confidence booster, him going up against his old team, him proving the Packer fan base that yes, him being the highest paid tight end is definitely uh it's hard to swallow, mm-hmm. but I think that uh, what he did was was huge. It was critical. We were all screaming Jimmy's name. Couldn't be happier for him. As we wrap up the postgame balls for advancing on tap, my third and final postgame ball has to go to the man, the guy that washed his butt and told everyone else to wash their butt, Devontae Adams. Oh, eight yeah. catches, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. All eight of his catches were pivotal were essentially pivotal. We're either a scoring drive or they moved the chains. Yep, exactly. Uh, Devontae Adams is a guy that the entire season, you could just see how much separation he was creating. You can see that he is top three, top two possibly, uh, wide receiver in the NFL. I am super excited to see him continue to get better and better for a guy that was uh, essentially told to pack up his bags after being drafted in the second round and what, the 2014 season? And to see what he's doing is absolutely incredible. Devonta Adams, Aaron Rodgers, they're on a whole nother wavelength. Very reminiscent of Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers. That's a dangerous thing to have moving forward. I'm super excited. I love Devonta Adams. And we had a guy sitting in front of us that had a Devonta Adams jersey on. And as we were walking up to our seats, he just pointed to 17. And so to see that fan point to 17, to see Devonta Adams... In the flesh, one of the greatest performances I think I've ever seen in person. For and sure. maybe I'm maybe I'm biased, but man, eight catches, 160 yards, two touchdowns, completely owned the Seattle Seahawks. I talked about it in playoff is back on tap that if they neutralize Adams, then Jones busts out. If yep. you if you neutralize Jones, Adams busts out. And as we wrap up advancing on tap, I wanted to mention this. Brian Billick former head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, winning a Super Bowl in 2000, I believe, with Trent Dilfer and Ray Lewis and company. He said that if you have three MVPs or three pro bowlers, three all pros by our standards, and I'm not I'm not painting this green and gold rose trim, three on each side of the football, that has the makings of a Super Bowl championship caliber team. So let me go through this. You got David Bakhtiari, you got Aaron Jones, you got Devontae Adams, you can even throw in Aaron Rodgers. So that's four right there. On defense, you've got Zadarius Smith, you got Kenny Clark, and you Preston Smith. You might might even say Jair Alexander. I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself when we say all pro or uh, MVPs, but just think about sure. it. We're clicking. We're clicking. A defense plays well. Seattle's a hard team to defend. Oh, yeah. And Zadarius Smith said it well where it was like Russell Wilson was running around. It was like trying to catch a chicken with his head cut off. Yep. What is it? Like grease? Like you're going to grease pig. <laughs> the grease pig, and then what was Mick and Rocky? Uh, you're gonna what? Eat lightning and crap thunder or something like that? <laughs> Where Rocky's running around with the I know what you're talking with about. the chicken. Yep. I, uh... So I, I think moving forward, beating the Seattle Seahawks, I think this is a great game to experience. I think anything else, I mean, if it was the New Orleans Saints or the the Philadelphia Eagles, I think this was great because you have a team that isn't gonna go down without a fight. They're scrappy. And that's what the Packers need to experience. I cannot wait for our pregame episode of the San Francisco 49ers and Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game that's set to take on Sunday at 5.40 p.m. Central Standard Time. Before we wrap up Advancing on Tap, any last words for our faithful listeners, Nebels? 
keep you know keep the faith, Packer fans. I mean this this game just shows or this past game just shows how resilient we are. How we can we can finish games no matter how ugly we are, ugly it is. I mean that's been the mantra: win ugly. And I think of it more as we're you know we're fighters, and fights are never going to be pretty. So. I think we need to go into San Francisco with that, uh, with a positive attitude. You know, know that we're scrappy, know that we're fighters, and any given Sunday, anything can happen. Lafleur is going to put together a good game. We got to continue to think to do the things well that we do: convert those third downs, limit turnovers, and I think we're we're good to go. Ooh, the soothing, sexy sounds of our co-founder and our producer Nebels couldn't have said it better my fr- myself, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and enduring uh, with both of the co-hosts feeling under the weather, but bask in it. The Packers have advanced. Thank you so much for listening to Advancing on Tap. I'm your co-host, Bryce Christensen. And I'm Nebels. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. Make sure that you're tuning in to TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, and a variety of other podcast platforms. Don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're good friends with Alexa. Make sure you're checking out our website, theunknownpackers.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit, the Unknown Packers podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers podcast.